Hello, everybody. This is Dan Woods at the Early Adopter Research podcast called Designing Enterprise Platforms. We try to cover what early adopters are interested in and try to help figure out new platforms that will be of use to people who are trying to make the most of data and technology. Today, we are talking with Stephen Mee, the CEO of Aluxio, a data orchestration platform that came out of the AMP Lab at Berkeley. Hi, Stephen. Glad to have you with us. Hi, Dan. Thanks for having me on the show. We had another podcast with Stephen that was actually quite interesting where we went through the kind of core uh, value proposition of Aluxio and also uh, some of the related issues with respect to the evolution of the data platform with the evolution of open source. Uh, today, we're going to go a little bit up the stack and we're going to talk about what it's like for a early adopter who's trying to create a data platform in the modern environment. Specifically, what I want to talk about is how do you create that data layer that allows you to put an abstraction in front of lots of different data sources so that you can then, in an orderly fashion, refactor what's underneath and move it to where it's optimally stored and optimally delivered. Yeah. Uh, this is something that Alexio was designed to do. Exactly, Dan. I uh, love this topic. And uh, data lakes is, is, uh, is the all the rage these days. Right. And so, essentially, what I've been really interested in doing is figuring out how I could recommend to my early adopter audience how they can make the most of object storage. Mm -hmm. Because it seems to me that the next level of data platform is going to be one where all of the certain data stores that you have, you know, the data lake, uh, whether it's in Hadoop or some other place, the data warehouses, all of the different data stores that you have coming from very special purpose data spaces or from APIs or from uh, you know, feeds that you know, maybe you're handling with Splunk or some other thing like that. All of those are now delivered and the consumers have to deal with the actual way to grab that data and some of the complexity of that. Mm -hmm. And so it would be much better if you had a standard data access layer that allowed you underneath that to do whatever you needed to do. In addition, it would be great if you could you know, hide some of that data engineering work underneath that layer as well, uh, so you could produce a orderly set of landed data. Mm -hmm. Now, the way I see things is that there's three layers in most data platforms. There's the landed data, where the data comes. It's often transformed in some way, but then it's put in some repository in a way that is now ready for further use. Then the next layer up from that is where all of the landed sources are then created into what I call the standard data. Now that's often you know, very modeled data where you're modeling all of the, the customer information that you have in an orderly model that may be coming from a variety of sources. Then on top of the standard data, you have the purpose-built data where the data, and this may be a combination of standard data, landed data, and new data that you have, creates the purpose-built data that is then used for anything from a Tableau or ClickView dashboard or an AI workload or an application on and on. So what people are now facing is the fact that how can they create some layer over the, the, the landed data so that you can have a um, uh, movement underneath that now, Aluxio has a perspective on that, and, and it's one that allows what I think is really important, which is shifting more and more of your data into residing in, in, in object storage as, as its canonical form. So 
There, I've said a lot. How would you react to that? Yeah, thanks for that, Dan. And, and uh, when we look at these, uh, uh, the different types of data, uh, the landed data is usually your, your source of truth. And that's because you've got lots of producers of data and your landing data. And a lot of that landed data is, is about storing the data efficiently. And uh, that, th there's lots of technologies that have, been, that have come through the, the, the evolution of IT and, and, and uh, object stores are becoming the lowest common denominator because it's all about uh, durability, cost per byte, and, and uh, object stores, uh, thanks in part to AWS, S3, and then all the compatibles, S3 compatibles that came after that have really proven that that is the lowest cost per byte, the most flexible, easiest place to put, uh, put your data. And also there's been a lot of uh, standardization around the S3 APIs yes. as well. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and then, you know, in our view, the, when you say that there's standard data and then there's um, purpose-built, these are more silos of the same data, but they're turned, you know, transformed slightly to be a little bit more consumable for the, uh, instead of the producers, it's the consuming engines. And there's many, many engines that an advanced analytics team or AI team uh, will want to use. Uh, you know, Spark, Spark SQL, Presto, um, uh, uh, TensorFlow, PyTorch, Ray. And increasingly, all of those sources are using native object storage as, their, as the place yes. where that data is stored. Yes. And even things like Snowflake or, or, yes. or, or Redshift are also right. reaching out and saying, look, if you have it in object storage, that's fine. We can absorb it into the collection of data that we can uh, cast queries over. Yeah, uh, I think there's uh, two kinds of ways to uh, have the engine work on the data is either it's working directly on the, those object stores or it's uh, using the object store as a, uh, a backing store, so you ingest it into something like Snowflake. Right. And yeah. then there's another. another <coughs> and another Presto system. will actually work directly on that's, it. Yeah, that's right. Right. That's right. And so uh, uh, all these, what I would say, are uh, consumers of data. They're usually open source to service systems, and they have different formats that they expect. Um, some are standardizing on like a parquet format. But the objects may not be in a parquet format. And, the, and, and that's where there's some impedance mismatch, whereby you'll have to transform and make standard data or, or purpose-built data. Uh, uh, Alexio is uh, approaching the world not from a storage-optimized way, but in a, a way that is compute-optimized. And, and we look at uh, delivering data after it's landed and delivering it in the best, most efficient way for that particular um, uh, uh, engine. And so in the example of, of Presto, um, we've added a catalog service which lets you then uh, uh, transform data to the, uh, let's say, CSV file and make it into a, a Parquet file, uh, coalesce uh, files together, uh, or sort, sort tables uh, so it's better for um, that uh, specific engine. And then you, can you have other stores underneath it, such as like SQL stores and other uh, 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 NoSQL database stores and things like that? Uh, it's, it's, uh, for Alexio, we're focused on the uh, analytics and AI, and that's typically with the files and objects. Got it. And so it's uh, uh, oftentimes those NoSQL stores, which I'm very familiar with because I've been at uh, CouchBase in the early days, was uh, uh, you know that will still get ingested into your your data lake or data lakes, 
um, uh, wherever they may be. And that's becoming much more spread out, right? People have uh, data on-prem, people have it in the cloud. So Alexio uh, is a way to modernize this, this system by mounting those two in the Alexio layer. And it's all about uh, delivering the data to the consumers versus landing it. Right, and, and, and the, the way I see the most flexible, cheapest sort of foundation for a data platform is to say, you may need you know, the NoSQL databases, you may need Snowflakes and, and data warehouses, Teradatas and things like that. But if you want to try to create one sort of uh, data lake equivalent, mm -hmm. if you choose uh, without having to lock yourself into one cloud or, one, you know, or, or ignore the ability to store on-premise stuff, what Alexio allows you to do is to, to sort of declare an abstraction layer underneath which you could have data in Azure, you can have data in AWS, you can have data in Google Cloud, all in their object storage layers. You can also have data on an on-prem in either files or object storage. And then you can deliver data from your data warehouse into object storage. And then now you've got this platform underneath which you can do things. Now you said there's, there's two things that you can do that are, that are, that are, that are advancing uh, Alexio. Yeah. One is that you can now do a little bit of data engineering that's right. So yeah. that you can you can transformation services. transformation those yes. and 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 then the the other one is you you say you can have a catalog right. so that you can have a unified catalog so you can go to one place to see all the stuff that you have. That's right. Let's take those in in a row now. Yeah. Yeah. The way I understand, you know, the way I mostly looked at the this this processes at other companies, when you're dealing with the landed data, the data that's coming from the canonical sources in the landed form, that's not a self-service world. That's a, a world in which you have data engineers who are programmers dealing with it. Is, are the tools that you're talking about for the data transformation layer, are these data engineering it's tools? for the data engineers, yes. Describe them a little bit, what are they? So uh, uh, first is, uh, because these data engineers, one, there's not enough uh, data engineers in, in the world. Uh, there's more and more analysts and scientists for data, and they are running more and more workloads uh, uh, that that these data engineers need to manage. Uh, we work with a, a pretty large uh, group, a MarTech company down in San Jose, you know, the 30 data platform engineers. But they're swamped, 1,800 uh, analysts that they have to support. And, and uh, that's only growing. But the data engineering team, budgets are pretty flat. They're not going to be able to grow their Hadoop cluster anymore. Um, uh, you know, their, their number of petabytes is increasing by 70% a year. And their budgets are maybe increasing by five or six percent, you know, consumer price index stuff. And so they're under siege and need better tools to provide uh, the, the data sets that these, these engine, the, uh, the to, to provide, to keep the landed data. <laughs> yeah. Because the, the way that it, it, it works in most companies that, that are real serious consumers of data is that both, all three of those layers become productized at some level. Like as the landed so data becomes more product. popular, yes. you, it, it becomes a product that, that you have a certain set of landed data that is, that yes. is, that is everybody's relying on, that's yeah. the def definition is well understood. Yeah, yeah the, this is becomes, data then becomes, you know, in the form of a, a dashboard that everyone keeps using. So then it becomes a business process and then I would say yes, that, that becomes uh, in, ingrained in the, in the business and that data is always pulled. But knowing what that is, there's a lot of discovery that needs to occur. And so the data engineers have to deal with people doing ad hoc 
discovery so that they can then solidify what is the right dashboard or what is the right so, model they're working on. So do you <laughs> offer something that's similar to like uh, the Paxata or Trifacta tools for data engineers or is it more like something like uh, the, the Talend sort of level uh, ETL programming? So it's uh, more of the, the, the latter case. It's really working with uh, uh, mounting and integrating these different data sources and then the metadata associated with it. So uh, to answer your question, the, one of the, the new, new uh, uh, things we've added, uh, uh, the fourth big component for data orchestration is uh, the Luxio data catalog. And that takes the Hive Metastore and abstracts it, as well as your AWS Glue catalog and the other catalogs from, from whichever cloud provider you'd like to, to use. And it, in the same way we have a unified namespace, now we have a unified metadata uh, catalog. And that gives us the ability to then do uh, uh, much more optimization for the, those compute engines uh, like Apresto. And, and so mounting those different data sources in different uh, environments, uh, is it, uh, we have the policy-based uh, data management to move the data around. But the great thing that the data engineer has that's different than the ETL is that we're all about making sure the hot active data is brought to, the, to, the, um, to those engines. And by doing so, that uncovers what is the, the important stuff, and then it becomes, in a way, that becomes the, the, uh, the purpose-built data. Got it. So you have the caching uh, of this data, That's so you right. can deliver a, a performance SLA, not just an availability SLA. That's right. And, and what we're finding is that people are really excited about, they call the solution, zero copy bursting of analytics into the cloud. There's many Hadoop teams on-prem that are faced with what I mentioned. They, they have more workloads, but they can't just continue to buy more Hadoop uh, 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 servers. And so they instead would like to start to use the cloud, but in order to do so, just running the same workloads in the cloud, you still have to figure out what data goes to the cloud. And so that's a copy situation. And so with Alexio, it's zero copy because of our intelligent caching layer. It'll pull the data offloading that on-prem uh, HDFS, allowing you to run 1,000 Spark jobs and uh, ephemerally with Alexio there, or 1,000 Presto uh, workers with uh, Alexio there and thereby uh, not needing to know even what data to copy. And right. uh, we have uh, quite a few uh, uh, you know, great enterprises there that are doing this today. Right, and then the idea is if you're going to write back, it's the, it's the idea is it's the object store read-write paradigm, which is you read a bunch of object storage and then you write back new object storage. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like you're updating the object storage. Yeah. Uh, we can do that too, uh, either synchronously or asynchronously. But now if you want to say you're migrating to the cloud, well, that compute is in the cloud. If you mount an, the, the cloud object store, you could write it to there. Got it. And then you have a seamless way to migrate versus, and I would just say it's, it's semi-unplanned because uh, it's, it's like um, you don't have to know exactly what workloads you're going to run or what queries you're going to run. You don't even have to know what data those, that it's going to use because Alexio will just run that and then it becomes apparent what's being hot, and then you move that local right. to your, your cloud. So, so what you offer somebody is if they're building a data platform and they want to be able to use object storage more broadly, and they want to be able to abstract away some of the choices they've made about using data at scale, such as using Hadoop servers, yeah. they, you are able to put a layer that, that understands object storage in any of the clouds, 
HDFS storage in exactly. any of the distributions yes. and create one single layer that then can, you can now rely on that. You have a catalog for that. And so it can become your landed data layer. And then you can consume it wherever you want. It's not, it's a multi-cloud or on-premise sort of consumption model. That's right. And then underneath that, if you decide you want to get rid of your Hadoop cluster and just put stuff in native object storage, you can do that, but your consumers never really need to know That's and right. never really care. Alexio abstracts that so uh, the, the consumers don't have to know, but Alexio knows now that we have that catalog and so we can uh, uh, optimize by coalescing the data if, if there's lots of small files. Uh, so there's, there's three major um, uh, transformation services that we're announcing. One is, is the coalesce, so small files can be coalesced into a small number of big files. And so those consumers like yeah. that. Uh, the second one for those data engineers is, is being able to uh, uh, transform the format. So a lot of data is in CSV format. And so if it's CSV, um, uh, that's not very easily consumed. So, so with Alexio, it'll uh, uh, transform it into to Parquet. And then the third uh, a big uh, uh, item is around sorting. And so if a table has a, a, a date column, you could sort it by the date. And then if a query says, I want Q3 of last year, guess what? It'll only pull Q3 of last year because it's been sorted for that. Got it. And so uh, that, that makes, by doing all these things um, together, we found that uh, it doesn't matter how the, the data, what format the data was in when it was landed, doesn't matter where, which storage uh, format, uh, uh, storage system it's in, where that location is, and now we can provide local performance and, and uh, compute optimized right. performance, up to right. 5x the performance. Right, and so your, the idea of your data transformation services is it's not about doing the kind of stuff that, that you know, um, the kind of Python extensions that uh, uh, Spark has introduced where they've got all sorts of tricky little transformations and, and statements that do powerful data transformations on, you know, records and tables and, 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 and things like that. Yeah. It's really about having standardized large-scale transformations that, that are popular with data engineers that they can just do. And then uh, gradually over time, that library will grow. Exactly. Got it. Yeah. Okay, so so it, it's 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 sort of data engineering, you know, kind of plumbing, yes. pipeline plumbing. It's not really data engineering programming in a detailed way. We're trying to have the data engineers do less wrangling, right, right, and less silos, right, right. And so uh, it's at that scale versus uh, uh, you know I would say higher higher order ETL. Yeah. Got it. And you tell me about where this has made a difference in terms of people doing things that they couldn't do before uh, that, that really uh, provided business benefits. Yeah, so when you start to talk about doing up to 5x the efficiency gains, now you have these you know, hundreds of data analysts that can run that many times more jobs. Or the data scientists that are creating models, they run that much faster to create the models for the business. And so this is what we call the TTI, time to insight. And by having a, a modern data platform that's abstracting the data sources wherever they are and taking these concepts of zero copy burst, meaning we're not just going to, I don't think enterprises are going to copy their AWS S3 and make a full copy into Google Cloud as well as a full copy on-prem. You know, that is just, uh, the cost is, is enormous on egress and, and, it's, and it's highly unwieldy. 
Instead, you now have a zero copy way of doing these things. That gives you the time to insight. Um, and so the business benefit is, is that uh, uh, the business has better insights, can run more jobs at lower cost. And then your data engineers, that team that I said was under siege, is also uh, more efficient and happy about the tools that they have. Because they just don't have great tools. And that's what we think is the vision of data orchestration. Right, right. Making, those, making it such that those tools are easy. Right, but also making a standardized layer under which you can make moves as yeah. well. So that you yeah. can start, like yeah. the idea is right now, we've seen in the marketplace the consolidation of Hortonworks and Hadoop, mm -hmm. I mean, and, and Cloudera. Yeah, yeah. And then we've also seen the kind of age-old uh, playbook being uh, implemented where now all of a sudden Hortonworks customers are facing really high maintenance charges when they renew, going from 2,000 a server or whatever to 10,000 or something like that is what is, was some of the numbers that I've heard. Mm -hmm. And so now, all of a sudden, that you know, open source, no lock-in stuff, it's like, wait a sec, do we really want to pay that much for what amounts to a bunch of object storage, uh, you know, especially if the, they don't have a lot of workloads that, that are only running on the MapReduce? And, and so you provide a solution for, for people like that. Right. Well, who are you attracting? Who's, who, yeah. who are you finding that's most interested in this so, platform? So, uh, what use cases? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, just to comment on what you said first is that uh, this is all the move of dis the disaggregated stack. And the, because object stores add so much value, that that has broken up the co-located um, you know, HDFS with the compute altogether. Uh, and having Alexio be able to abstract that, that is uh, uh, exactly what we do. Um, the types of uh, use cases that people uh, use us for is uh, it's, it's enterprise companies that have on-prem, uh, uh, they may have multiple data centers, um, and they're adopting cloud. And that's pretty much every, you know, in the world, every single uh, company is, is looking at, at doing that. Um, and when they have to deal with uh, data engineering problems around, okay, how do I um, now have uh, the ability to give my uh, uh, internal customers, uh, my, my end users, uh, a good experience uh, uh, and self-service data. And that is the, the, the concept. So what we find is people want to make sure that uh, they can expand their amount of data-driven initiatives and do that in a way that isn't the Hadoop paradigm or I'll say the HDFS pirate paradigm but is in a modern architecture that takes into account the multi-cloud as well as uh, multiple consumers uh, and a growing uh, data set, of course. Now, your metadata catalog, it asserts over this object storage, uh, you know, the, the, the tabular format. Now, is this something that extends what's going on in the cloud catalogs like AWS Glue? Because oh, I know that, that you know, the Hive catalog yeah. inside of HDFS does allow you to take a file structure and assert on top of it a table structure. Do, are you extending what happens in the glue catalogs to, to do that? We're, we're combining them so that we're not, we're not extending them today, but uh, by abstracting both of them, now you have a, a way to kind of like a unified namespace. Now we have the ability to see the metadata wherever it is. So now you can run federated queries that, that's federated to different data sources and bring them all together. So instead you had to you know, copy all the data and ingest them into one big lake 
and then run it all there. But now the view is let's have it even more disaggregated by having the multiple silos. But, but, but if you have an, a set of S3 buckets in the glue catalog, those do or do not have tabular field and you know, columns uh, uh, the, defined. The, the glue catalog would be against the S3 data, and the, the S3 could be, you know, it'd be an object f uh, format, but it could have an underlying format with it. That but but is that in the, my, my question is, is that in the catalog or not? Uh, yes, it could be, yes. It, it could be in the glue catalog. Yes, that's right. Okay, the glue catalog yeah. does allow you to store that level of metadata. So then you can combine them all into one, and one, one, one abstract representation yes. so that some of the objects could be coming from AWS, some from Azure, some from somewhere else, and then you can treat them as if they're one large data set. Correct. Uh, the federated is a terrible term, but, but that, that this whole idea of being able to run, uh, run your query in place, wherever the, those storages right. are, is, is a very powerful concept, and Alexio is a big factor in delivering that data from remote places to to um, uh, you know, to the. It seems like you should be able to find some good uh, use cases in the IoT and the uh, manufacturing space where they have a lot of distributed data sources. Have you found that you're you're helping to unify edge uh, data or manufacturing data? We're, we're still more in the core right now, um, and and so I think that we'll get to that that place. Um, uh, we have a few use cases like that because of course our software is open source, we run into, uh, you know, we have hundreds of, of uh, deployments all around the world. Um, but there was an IoT use case recently where it was a self-driving, uh, a self-driving um, uh, self startup company that was using Alexio in, in, in that way. Got it. Yeah. So we always love to see the new ways people use data orchestration and uh, we welcome everybody to you know, be, get involved and, and contribute to the project too. Well, the the uh, at this point we haven't seen a mass uh, you know retirement of a lot of the Hadoop you know infrastructure yet, but it seems like that we're given the pressures that that Cloudera is putting on people with the higher maintenance costs um, and the kind of you know continued uh, adoption of you know S3 as a standardized API. Um, it seems like that we're we're moving toward a uh, an era in which there's going to be a replacement of, of a lot of the Hadoop infrastructure with uh, infrastructure that's based on object storage. Have you seen, I, mean, what, I guess that's one you know, big win you could get out of Alexio. Yes. Do you know, what, what, have you seen that first of all, and then what are the other kind of, uh, kind of ROI wins that you've seen with Alexio? Yeah, I think there's a lot of uh, 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 you know, topics they say, you know, Hadoop's dead or Hadoop's not dead. And, and you know what, what, what's what's uh, what's going away is the, the the idea that HDFS is the best lowest cost per bit storage uh, system. Right. It's not because uh, you know object storage has been proven to be lower and lower maintenance and it's infinite and in, in if you use the cloud, right? And so uh, that that war was kind of wrapped up. But Hadoop still lives widely in the in the ty different types of Hadoop engines that they have. And so, so what I think is changing is the, the architecture from a co-located architecture where you're running the engines with the HDFS co-located to, to breaking that up. And so uh, 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 we see plenty of, of customers that were very big Hadoop uh, uh, you know, customers and, and uh, they still maintain that, but 
they're not going to grow that anymore. Uh, these are some of the biggest deployments uh, out there. And they're looking to offload that in kind of in the same way that we see with Teradata offload too, right? And so will there always be that? Yes, there will always be vertically oriented appliance systems that are, that are really awesome what they do. They're just very expensive and you know, maybe somewhat difficult to operate. Um, I think HDFS is going to have that same kind of uh, go, go by the way of uh, the dinosaurs a little bit that way. Uh, but it just will evolve into, uh, into a disaggregated stack, much more data in different places. Um, you asked a, a question about the, 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 the value, was that? The ROI, ROI yeah. use cases. Yeah. So if you think about um, for, when you then uh, have a modernized uh, data platform, which uses uh, uh, a orchestrated or abstraction layer, which is, we, we call it, you know, everyone needs data orchestration. We're just one of the ones that have been doing this and we run the data orchestration conferences and those things. But conceptually, it, it needs to um, you know, create a, a, a localized uh, you know, access layer to wherever your compute is. And by doing that, that gets you um, an ROI from a, a cost perspective. Uh, but more importantly, it's about that time to insight. And so you have a top line that's kind of hard to, to see. But most of the people we deal with say, as long as the data scientists and analysts are happy and they're, they're, they're finding a good experience, then we know we're doing our jobs right. Right. Uh, because they, as long as the company is being data-driven right. and getting but, the best data, but you're not, have, you, then, 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 then that's, right. that's but what you, But you're not yet saying. to the point where you're going, the CIO at the end of the year says, you know, we were able to retire X systems of this sort because we now have adopted or object storage and, and, and we're able to do it in an orderly manner uh, uh, because we were able to, That's a great question. you know, yeah. we were able to um, put this abstraction layer over and then just move opportunistically. Yeah. Uh, uh, what we've mainly seen is offloading when there's a certain cost structure with the legacy system and how taking workloads off of that into a much lower cost structure, that's where the ROI appears on that, at that level. Got it. So now let's go back into your database uh, guy sort of uh, history. And let's address that, that, that um, question that you mentioned about like the, the role of the, the data warehouse and, and Teradata specifically. And so if you look at what's going on with a lot of this data, you know, new data platform building, it seems to me that there's a real interesting sort of uh, problem that's going to be a, that's going to arise, and and some companies have seen it and have a solution for it, and some don't. If you put everything in object storage, and you have now essentially a bunch of flat files, you know, that are out there for use, you then can do simple queries out of Presto, no problem. You know, when, if you're doing massive batch work, Presto on top of object storage does a really great job. Mm-hmm. Now, if you are talking about doing where you have thousands of users and thousands of tables, now you're in a different world. And Presto would suck at that because its query optimizer is really about big, large batch sort of queries, I would assert. Maybe they would disagree. But if you, if, you, if you look at something like Teradata, it's got 30 years of work on 
that problem of thousands of users and thousands of tables without having to have a query cop, you know, stopping people from doing stupid stuff. Now, what replaces that? That because as your data platform you know grows, you're going to have more and more people using data, and it seems like it's going to be really hard to get away from SQL, and it's really going to be hard to get away from this need for this real query optimizer that can handle that. And so at some point, the value of uh, you know what Teradata can do will be rediscovered because people will be pe because we'll back we'll be back to the the point where people will be really annoyed with slow queries again, or with queries that don't, that, that, that take forever. Well, uh, you know. Uh, you see what, I, do you see what yeah, I'm asking? Yeah. So, uh, you know, first, first off, you know, I think the, the hive is more for the batch, and, and Presto has, uh, you know, one of the, the four main use cases is, is ad hoc uh, discovery of, 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 of insights. And that um, was proven by, by Facebook, and they run, Huge, huge clusters of this stuff, and and the difference between when I look at a, an, you know I'll say a legacy system like Teradata, and you start to look at what that was it was really a scale up system, right? And and so uh, then now the world is all distributed systems, and these are a lot of open source projects, and you can have a thousand node cluster or multi thousand node cluster that can scale horizontally, that that makes that bottleneck. Of having uh, uh, you know, hundred thousand queries going at a, uh, on a, in a day, it scales all that out. So uh, I believe that that's been uh, at that layer been addressed. Now at the the storage, uh, the object store layer, we see problems there because uh, these object stores were again made to be better for storage. They weren't necessarily better to to deliver data to that many concurrent queries. And that's where having uh, the data orchestration where we locally cache the information that's needed within each worker node has its even more value. And so um, for the, some of the biggest companies uh, like Walmart, they, they use Presto and Alexio and they talk about it at, the, at their meetups because that, uh, the Alexio layer lets them handle the, the, the level of, of um, uh, uh, concurrent queries that uh, that, that, that organization needs. So I, I'd, I'd argue that if, if Walmart can do it, then um, I, I think many other companies Right, well, Walmart has a huge Teradata data warehouse that's as well. And that's where the offload comes from. Yeah, 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 right. Yes. And, and well, the, the question is, to me, is you know, you've got a lot of these systems that are being used by thousands of people that where the SQL is being written yes. by you know, a machine. And it's really sophisticated SQL. And like, for example, the SQL that comes out of something like Looker is wacko. You know, complex pages or whatever. Yeah, yeah and it and, and 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 Teradata does a great job of, of that sort of stuff, uh, and and of, of optimizing it and, and delivering a snappy experience. I, I think it's a matter of time because you know, these are this is goes back to database you know, architecture fundamentals and you know one of the aspects of a big data warehouse was a buffer pool and Alexio, in a sense, is a scale-out right, right. buffer pool. And the cost-based optimizers in, the, in uh, right. these, these vertical dairy warehouses are also being so created. They're just being redone again 10 years, you know, 10, right. so, years so to the, to the extent that that, to the extent that you can do a worse job with your cost-based optimizer if you do a better job with your buffer pool. So, so, so Alexio can allow you to do, yes. uh, to, to allow you to have crappier SQL optimization 
uh, because you have better data to deliver it. You're going to need all of it. You're going to need you everything know. optimized. Yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Got it. Well, cool. So this has been fun. Um, yeah. uh, again, it's another episode of the Designing Enterprise Platforms podcast from Early Adopter Research. My name is Dan Woods, and we've been talking to Stephen Mee, a CEO of Alexio. And uh, again, we'll, we'll, we'll keep this conversation going. Thanks so much, Dan. Great to be here.